good evening everybody oh, good afternoon rather <laughs> this afternoon i'm going to talk on uh, some aspect of uh, dhamma especially dhamma related to generosity Odana I'm pretty sure that you might have heard Dana talks many times in the past and most of us are quite familiar with the term it is still uh, very good for us to hear about it from time to time because this is very a very very important uh, aspect of our life when we look at it very uh, seriously we can see it is because of uh, not having enough uh, generosity that we have enormous amount of suffering cause we cause suffering to us as well as to others not having not being generous enough as in all religious traditions generosity is uh, emphasized not only religious traditions in all traditions generosity is emphasized perhaps uh, different uh, traditions have different uh, uh, meanings different reasons for emphasizing generosity in buddhist tradition also it has a very special purpose this is the cause of suffering not being generous we suffer we call it uh, non generosity we call uh, tanha or craving which is uh, very fundamental Uh, teachings of the buddha one has to very mindfully look at it how true it is when we uh, have uh, craving we work very hard to satisfy our craving buddha said tanhang paticca pariyesana dependent on craving we do search research and uh, depending on search and research we find we gain something paryesanang paticca labho labha means gain when we gain <coughs> we gain more than we want and we decide and uh, select what we want and then we cling to it and then we become uh, stingy don't want to share with anybody 
and when we uh, cling to it, becomes stingy, we want to protect it, protect what we have. In order to protect, we use sometimes uh, secure places, safes, we build uh, walls around our properties, our houses, and uh, use build uh, walls with uh, broken glasses, barbed wires, put iron gates, and have uh, sentries, very vicious dogs. Not only that, that is a small area. If the area is larger, then we have to we use uh, guns, weapons, bombs, clubs, and use abusive language when someone tries to uh, get what we have, and so forth. An entire uh, process of suffering begins from stinginess, from greed, clinging, craving. That is on only very small fraction of what the craving does to us. But when we take it, uh, this is in a mass scale, we, when we look at the uh, macrocosmic picture, this is what is happening all over the world because of our stinginess, not individual's personal stinginess, but the collective stinginess, collective um, greed. This is what is happening. And we don't uh, see the amount of uh, suffering going on in the rest of the world. We all know I actually don't remember the statistic. Every second, certain number of children die in the world on, by starvation, by malnutrition, without medicine, cloth, food, shelter, even good drinking water. We have enough wealth to go around the world if we become really generous. Not the world is not lack of wealth. So see, the, when we look at the large picture, we can understand how we uh, advertently or inadvertently inflict pain in others. And that is not very comfortable pleasant feelings that we can have whenever we think about it. On personal level, uh, a craving or tanna or greed um, affects our personal life. Whenever we talk about uh, greed, uh, not too many people like to hear anything about it, because it is uh, as unpleasant as the results of greed. Unpleasant because people don't want to let go of their greed. Unpleasant because they are so, they, they cling to it. 
it is almost uh, uh, impossible for people to let go of their greed. When we come to meditation, <coughs> uh, one of the uh, instructions that uh, we give and we try to follow is uh, let go of things. Even that instruction doesn't sound very good. Because people ask, how can we live having let go of what we have? In fact, when we uh, remind ourselves and give instructions to others for let go of things, we don't mean letting go of uh, everything they have. And we also don't consider having wealth is a kind of curse. Having wealth is a blessing. We believe that uh, since we have done good, wholesome karma in the past, we got wealth now. And therefore, it is not considered to be something unwholesome or sin or curse. It is the result of our good karma. And if in this life uh, we do not practice generosity, we might not be reborn in fortunate situation. And therefore, that is in that respect quite important to remember the benefit of sharing things with others, not only for this life, even for the next life. Anyway, when we uh, remind ourselves and <coughs> request people to practice uh, letting go, we mean uh, they should let go of uh, excessive greed, hatred, and uh, uh, clinging and craving. Or let go of attachment to uh, things. Then people ask, how can we live without attachment, without uh, clinging? We clinging, cling to our properties, our uh, friends and relatives and spouses and so forth. How can we live without that? We have to understand having, cultivating uh, loving friendliness, having affection towards one another itself is not something unwholesome. At the same time, if we don't understand the pain that can cause by our, that can be caused by our uh, clinging, then when something happens to us to depart, separate by physical separation or death, then the pain that we experience is unbearable. We all know that. But if we have uh, affection towards one another, understanding that this is impermanent, we will uh, separate sooner or later by one means or another. With that insight, that understanding, one can uh, live without uh, too much pain after uh, the reality is met. Also, when we ask ourselves to practice uh, letting go of things, we mean only to let go of unwholesome things, painful things, things that cause us pain and suffering. 
not wholesome things. Even the greed has uh, two aspects, uh, or desire has two aspects. Desire, to perpetuate desire, and the desire to be desireless. What we want to give up is the desire that perpetuates desire which causes pain and suffering, but we cultivate the desire to be desireless. That is one way of looking at generosity. Generosity is um, mentioned in almost all major parts of the Buddha's teaching, such as uh, when the Dhamma is divided into three categories, they are Dana, Sila, Bhavana. Dana comes first. Sila next, and Bhavana, meditation, the third, or culmination of the practice. When we practice uh, meditation, the practice of dana or generosity comes again in the form of hindrance. In one of the five hindrances is greed. And without letting go of the greed, we cannot gain concentration. When we try to practice uh, metta, metta also has two enemies. One is close enemy, other is far enemy. Close enemy camouflages disguises and lives under our shadow, pretending to be our friend, but it really is not a friend. That is enemy disguises as friend in the practice of metta or loving friendliness is greed. Clinging, craving. That is why when people practice metta, they say, I practice metta towards my children. I practice metta towards my husband, towards my wife, my brother, my parents, my relatives, all something related to their relationship. And there, we don't practice metta in the highest sense of the term. We practice metta with attachment, clinging, craving. You can see how greed, greed is so deeply rooted in our subconscious mind that we uh, don't uh, uh, understand how it can disguise to deceive us. This is called Vanchanika Dhamma in Pali. Vanchanika Dhamma means uh, disguising Dhamma. Dhamma, unwholesome Dhamma, disguises itself as something wholesome. And therefore, when we practice metta, greed or desire, clinging, craving, disguises itself and appears as a friend. Far enemy, of course, of loving friendliness or metta is hatred, anger. When the far enemy is approaching, you can see that that is an enemy. But the near enemy, hiding or disguising itself, we cannot see. So when we try to practice uh, meditation to gain concentration and want to practice metta, uh, e, uh, the 
greed, desire, disguises. It disguises and uh, stays with us all the time. When we manage to overcome this particular hindrance by cultivating mindfulness, it uh, hides itself and goes underground and join its roots. What is the root? Is called feta. In Pali, it is called sangyojana. Sangyojana or feta, which are ten in number, uh, are the roots of hindrances. So greed goes underground, join the roots. The generosity also is mentioned <clears throat> in uh, ten wholesome kambas. Ten wholesome kambas. Number one is generosity. Generosity, morality, renunciation, patience, Truthfulness, determination, and uh, metta, effort, wisdom are ten uh, wholesome commas. Number one of them is generosity. And also it is mentioned in the list of principles that a wholesome, benevolent king is supposed to uphold. That is called Dasa Rajadhamma, the wholesome ten wholesome principles that wholesome king has to uphold, maintain. Generosity also is mentioned in ten perfections. Ten perfections start with generosity. It has three levels the ordinary level is called parami then the higher level is called upaparami and the highest level is called paramattha parami that is generosity practice in a ordinary level sharing things with others material things wealth effort energy, skill, and all these come under the category of uh, first level of parami, perfections. Second level, or a little higher level of perfection, is... uh, sharing one's own physical parts, like people share sometimes uh, their kidneys. If somebody is suffering from kidney failure, both kidneys are going to be destroyed and person may not live at all. Then somebody uh, shares one of the kidneys with this person and make the person alive. Like that if uh, the, the sharing of physical parts with someone falls in the category of a higher level of perfections. And the highest level of perfection or highest level of generosity is 
materially speaking, is the generosity of uh, sacrificing one's life for noble cause. Not just killing oneself uh, because of uh, uh, some frustration and so forth. But by trying to do something wholesome in the act, the person may die. I remember an incident. Uh, you may know many such incidents. Uh, we all know in uh, some situations, you know, uh, firefighters, they don't go to put out fire uh, with the intention of dying. They prepare themselves, they put on good uh, uh, fire-resistant uh, cloth and will receive good training. With all these things they go to save lives. But in the act, some people die because they want to do their job so well, they are so concerned, so compassionate, they want to do the wonderful job, in the act, they die. They even don't uh, care very much for their life. Perhaps there is a child, a woman, uh, who is desperate, cannot get out of fire. This person would go and try to help the person, and in the act, he might die. One incident was... Uh, I think 9-11, you remember how many firefighters died, how many police died. They did not go with the intention of dying themselves, killing themselves, but they went to help many, many people. And I believe that is the highest sacrifice they made, sacrificing their life for good cause. Another incident I remember in 19... 83, uh, there was a plane crash in Washington, D.C. In uh, January, very cold winter day, the plane crashed on the 14th Street Bridge. The river was, Potomac River, was frozen about three feet. When the plane crashed, Some people fell into the river, breaking the ice, went down into the water. Helicopter came and threw a rope to a person who was in the river. And this man pushed the rope to another woman who was struggling and helicopter pulled her out. Second time, helicopter came and dropped the rope, and uh, it was dropped right to this man once again, and second time he pushed it to another woman. Helicopters pulled her out. Third time, when helicopter came and dropped the rope to the same man, he was dead. He couldn't stay there longer than 15 minutes in that temperature, and he died of hypothermia. This man was going on in in that plane on a trip to Florida on on a business, and he was not going there to die. But when this situation occurred, he sacrificed his life to save two lives. This is what is called paramattaparami, <clears throat> highest kind of perfection, practicing perfections. Generosity is uh, 
is not very easy uh, principle to practice without having a very compassionate loving friendly heart generosity must come along with friendliness compassion compassion seeing suffering beings one's heart must melt to practice that kind of generosity the highest kind of generosity in material sense generosity also is uh, mentioned in the heart of buddha's teaching what is the heart of buddha's teaching noble eightfold path which is which includes four noble truths where in noble eightfold path has generosity being mentioned in the right thought right thoughts are thought of renunciation thought of living friendliness and thought of compassion thought of renunciation is called nekkam sankap renunciation <coughs> generally is understood as giving up household life family life and entering a monastic life that is how people understand renunciation that is renunciation no doubt about it but behind that there are numerous other small renunciation before one comes to that level of renunciation that renunciation starts with little the practice of little generosity small generosity letting go of one's excessive greed without doing that one cannot do the highest type of uh, cannot practice highest type of generosity or renunciation sometimes uh, while observing certain uh, uh, principles we practice we can practice generosity like uh, we observe precepts uh, one of the precepts uh, uh, people observe occasionally in buddhist countries they do it very often uh, at least uh, four times a month they observe eight precepts one of the eight precepts is uh, not eating at night when they don't eat at night they uh, wish let somebody who doesn't have enough means to have another meal use this meal use the meal that the person does not consume that particular evening so they generously let go of that meal one meal in a week friends it is not very difficult principle to practice when we have a compassionate heart generous heart we can sacrifice certain things with a sense of generosity they do that four times a month and that way we can practice generosity 
instead of starting all of a sudden a large scale generosity, we can start it in a small way like this. Giving up one's own unwholesome habits, unwholesome giving up unwholesome habits also is called unwholesome habits is called is called akusala sila. Akusala sila. Wholesome habit is called kusala sila in Pali. There of course the word sila is used for habit. Akusala sila is unwholesome habit. One, one unwholesome habit that people have, it is unwholesome because it causes harm to oneself, harm to others, and harm to both. Anything that causes harm to oneself, harm to others, is called unwholesome. Or akusala. One unwholesome thing people generally practice is uh, smoking. It is unwholesome for oneself as well as for others. If somebody generously let go of that unwholesome habit, one can benefit oneself, especially very quickly, regain good health, and the money that person spends for destroying one's lungs can uh, donate to a poor child that doesn't have enough food or medicine to live. Put that in a special account make a little fund to support some unfortunate child somewhere in the world and keep and maintain your good health. So that way with that generosity helps both your good health <laughs> as well as somebody somewhere suffering from malnutrition, lack of food, cloth and medicine. That is what is called renunciation. You renounce something that something very small and it is this renunciation eventually helps us to renounce larger things. Generosity <clears throat> can earn friends when once there was a king Mahali uh, this is not a story of uh, making friends but this is the story that uh, illustrates the fact that when uh, the leaders become stingy, how the country becomes corrupt and crimes increase. In the Buddha's time, there was a king called Mahali. He found his country full of corruptions, crimes, robberies, and he kept on arresting people, putting them in jail, and beheading. And one day after arresting few people, putting in jail, he went to see the Buddha. And he said, I just have arrested few people for crimes or stealing. Then Buddha asked him, how often you do that? Oh, Venerable Sir, every day. Lot of corruptions. 
Then Buddha said to your majesty, that is not the way to solve the problem. Why do these people steal? Because they need something to feed themselves and their families. They don't have food. Therefore, provide the farmers with necessary basic grains, seed grains. Provide them with money to buy fertilizer. Provide them with necessary land to cultivate. You hold them all by yourself as your own personal property, the country's wealth. Share it with people. Let them cultivate, grow grain, vegetable, fruits, and so forth. They keep themselves occupied and they get enough food to eat, close to where, then they will not do these kind of things. Be generous. Share the wealth with the country, with the people. So respecting the Buddha's advice, that is exactly what he did. And soon the crimes minimized, reduced. Corruptions minimized and reduced. So we can expect in a larger scale when stinginess is practiced, corruptions can increase. On the other hand, when generosity is practiced, corruptions can be removed. These are all in material sense, in the material world. In spiritual life, the practice of generosity is also wonderful. One can not make any progress spiritually if one is very stingy and greedy. As we know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, different religious traditions or any traditions practice generosity with different reasons, for different reasons. In the Buddhist tradition, generosity is uh, emphasized for something very altruistic, very wholesome. That is, uh, we individually, all of us, suffer because of our greed. We practice generosity to reduce our greed. When the greed is reduced, our suffering reduces. The greed is the seed that uh, reproduces ourselves in samsara. We take birth, rebirth, because of greed. And therefore greed, Buddha called Pono Bhavika. Pono Bhavika means Punar Bhava, re-becoming. The greed is the factor that makes us take rebirth. One birth is so painful, you don't want to have another birth. And people say, I don't want any more birth, this is enough, I had gone through everything. I don't want any more. But Buddha said, by so wishing, they cannot stop it. Nakopanetang ichai pattabhang, Buddha said. Jati dhammanam bhikkave sattanam evang icha upajati aho vatamayangna jati dhamma asama nacha vatano jatiing agachayati nakopanetang icha patabha. Beings who are subject to birth say that 
I don't want to be reborn again. Let this life come to an end by death and never be reborn again. And Buddha said, Dakopanetangi Chapadabang, by so wishing they cannot stop it. Why? The seed is there, root is there, conditions are there. The real seed, root conditions are our greed and ignorance. In the Buddhist teaching, greed cannot exist by itself. Greed exists with its partner. Its partner is ignorance. Greed and ignorance always go together. We cannot eliminate greed without eliminating ignorance. Ignorance is there. Ignorance is not knowing, not understanding the harmful effect of greed. Ignorance doesn't understand. That is why people try to justify greed. As I mentioned briefly last evening, greed <coughs> breeds pain. Tanha jayati soko, tanha jayati bhayang, tanha vipamuttasa natti soko kuto bhayang. Greed breeds sorrow, fear, tension, anxiety, worry. When the greed is eliminated, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair come to an end. We don't see that. And therefore, because of our ignorance, we don't see how we can eliminate pain, grief, sorrow, lamentation and despair by eliminating greed. We don't see that. And therefore, ignorance keeps nourishing the root of greed. So long as these two bodies join together, have a partnership, sharing with each other's unwholesome benefits, we keep taking birth and rebirth. And that is why in uh, some discourses, Buddha says, uh, when the craving eliminates, suffering eliminates. In some other discourses, he said, when ignorance eliminates, suffering eliminates. So, in short, these two are always there. Therefore, our purpose of practicing generosity is not to take better rebirth or go to heaven, get more wealth, but to eliminate suffering. By being generous, one can, of course, go to heaven. And there are only three things one has to do to go to heaven. Satchang bhane nakujjhaya dajjas pasmimpi achito etehi tihithanehi gachya devana santige. Speak the truth. Give whenever asked and don't get angry. These are the three things one has to do to go to heaven. Anybody can do that. So anybody can go to heaven. 
even one doesn't have to practice meditation or you become Buddhist and so forth, anybody can go to heaven. Anybody can practice these three things. But the purpose of our practice in generosity is not that simple and cheap. It is much deeper and more profound meaning. That is to remove the very cause of our suffering and free ourselves from pain, sorrow, grief, lamentation and despair. For that purpose we practice generosity. It benefits us here and now, it benefits others here and now, it benefits us in future to liberate ourselves from samsara. The highest kind of generosity uh, what is the highest type of generosity? Dhammadana. Amisadana, Dhammadana. Amisadana means material generosity, sharing material things. When you don't have any material things, how can you share? You have to have something to share. Somebody who does not have anything to share, still that person can share Dhamma, the knowledge of truth. Knowledge that brings peace, solace, comfort to anybody anywhere in the world. That knowledge is called the knowledge of Dhamma and that is the highest type of generosity. If we can share our knowledge, to bring to bring peace to the world, to bring peace to one individual, that is the greatest generosity. Without any stinginess, any reservation, any second thought, we must try as far as we can to help others to eliminate, remove their suffering, pain physical as well as mental, by sharing dhamma. So Buddha said, sabbadhanang dhammadhanang jinati. Dhammadhana excels all other dhana. Why is that? Because that opens our heart and mind. Because it purifies our mind. When we train people, teach people how to purify their mind, how to free themselves from pain, suffering, how to cultivate mind through the practice of meditation, how to live in friendliness, work in friendliness, live in friendliness, share loving friendliness, if we can teach people that, that is the highest type of generosity. So generosity itself has levels. The highest level of generosity that Buddha advocated us is that. And that also can perform miracles. In Buddhist tradition there are miracles. The highest miracle is the miracle of uh, making a wicked a saint. If you convert a wicked to a saint by teaching Dhamma, that is the highest miracle. That is called Desana Patiharya. Patiharya means gener- uh, uh, miracle. Desana means teaching. By teaching Preaching, you know, sometimes children say, Mother, enough your preaching, I don't want to listen to your preaching. But the preaching kind of preaching that Buddha advocated is not the preaching to create animosity, to 
increase hatred towards anybody. We hear sometimes people preach hatred. Buddha's generosity, the highest generosity is to preach peace, to bring harmony to disharmonious communities, people, to bring comfort to chaotic minds, to grieve solace, to make people happy. If we preach and teach, that is the highest generosity. So, friends, I think we practice that kind of generosity for our own personal benefit as well as the benefit for others. We have to have peace within us and share that peace with others. So we practice meditation to bring that peace to us. Not just simply temporarily calming the mind, but planting the root of calm, peace in our mind, so that that peace, that fruit can grow all day long, all life long, and make ourselves an example to others so that they will understand, they will emulate our example. They think this person is living peacefully through the practice of Dhamma and let us practice Dhamma so that we also can be peaceful. So the Buddha's method, message of generosity has uh, many, many facets, many faces, many layers, many aspects, not limited only to something simple, ordinary, mundane, material. It has the widest range. For now, here, for us and others. So that is the kind of altruistic generosity we want to practice. So everything that we practice is connected with this kind of generosity. Whether we are sharing material things or sharing Dhamma, all related to this kind of altruistic generosity, sharing with others. So, letting go of our greed, clinging, craving has one thing, letting go of our stinginess for properties and so forth is another, letting go of our uh, comfort for the sake of sacrificing our comfort for the sake of greater benefit is another. All these come under generosity. And that is what we want to practice. And that is what that really brings peace, happiness to us as well as to others. And that is what actually eventually brings us to full perfect enlightenment. Generosity itself is a practice of perfection. Perfection is spiritual perfection. Spiritual perfection is the perfection by attaining full enlightenment. So, generosity has this ultimate goal, ultimate purpose, to remove our greed, to liberate ourselves from suffering and lingering in samsara. I hope uh, we all try to do this kind of generous generosity and keeping this in mind, we practice it. This may be enough for today as Dhamma talk 
and I hope you all enjoy your practice of this generosity. You are practicing generosity. This whole place exists because of generosity, people's generosity. Thousands of people have been benefited from people's generosity. And uh, therefore it is a wonderful thing. Thank you very much.